The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Before any of that, though, we're going to kick things off as we will every day, as we do every day with our afternoon update, uh, catching you up on all that has happened, these stories that matter most. And joining me for the afternoon update today is Laura Donnelly, an editor here in our newsroom, and David Hall, former chair of uh, Inner, Inner City Helping Homeless. You're both very, very welcome. And thanks a million uh, for joining us. Um, RTE uh, back in hot water. I'm not sure if they've been out of it, persistently in it since last June, uh, Laura. But you might talk us to the latest. So Grant Thornton have completed and furnished their report into Toy Show the Musical. Yeah, the, the report is, is just about to land and it found like there's no written record of the RTE board approving the toy show. And it was also said in this report and in other commentary that um, the issue wasn't properly stress tested by the board. So lots of issues being raised. Like, for example, it was a brand new venture, Toy Show the Musical. It had never been done before. So it seemed like they didn't press on that enough to sort of figure it out. The convention centre, a big place to fill. Huge, huge. The Father Matthew Hall is where they should have started, according to Pat Kenny today. Yeah, exactly. And also you're up against the heavy hitters of of other shows at that time. Like people might always go to a certain panto, so you have to compete with that. Uh, Their ticket sales were very questionable. Um, The toy man himself, as he described himself, he was not involved in it. So people might have hoped that that would be an aspect. Then there was some questions about the script and the advertising like you might remember at the time radio wise you couldn't move for that ad promoting it on RTE so it took in just under 500,000 and it cost 2.6 million euro so a lot of questions seem like they weren't asked like we can obviously look back at it now Mm. and say you know that was a bit of a crazy venture to go down without someone stopping and saying should we do those sums again or should we move it to a smaller venue or bring in the star that is the toy man? I don't know. Yeah, I, I know hindsight is twenty twenty, Davis. Um, uh, but at the same time, you, you, you would understand better than most of us kind of that the functions of boards and the oversight function of boards. Um, so, so, I mean, what is your understanding of what the, the role of the board should have been? in a situation like this. Yeah, I think like every, everybody has been involved in boards and various organisations and they mix up what is a charity, what is a commercial organisation. This is a commercial organisation, a very large commercial organisation, 1,800 staff, 300 million of revenue. The uh, It's a public uh, access system for, for appointing directors from all walks of life. And But they paid €15,750. And that's important because when you're running a 300 million euro operation, you, 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 know, you need to be compensated properly to do that. But like, as Laura said, like you have a show that just starts hemorrhaging money and any business in the world that's hemorrhaged money. How do you sit on a board and not know? Every member of the public knew that this was a massive gamble. This was a massive show. There was all sorts of other controversy around it, around um, Ryan not being honest and involved. But the board had a responsibility here to have a look at it. And most certainly, by the way, even if it didn't at the start and decided the executive were responsible for it, mm. there seems to be a mix-up. There's two boards in RTE. There's the executive board um, and then there's the board board. And uh, it's unclear as to who is running the show. And I think one of the key components here is the executive board gambled with this project after it was unsuccessful. That was the time the board had to step in. And it's ironic that this committee from Grant, or this report from Grant Thornton has been uh, requested by the audit committee the audit committee was asleep at the time of yeah. the toy show. Uh, it, you know, I heard somebody um, try to defend members of the, the the board today, some of whom are still sitting on the board, the people who were on the board when all of this happened. And they suggested that this was kind of a solo run by the executive uh, board, by members of the executive um, management team within RTE. And it never came before 
uh, the board proper. Um, so they, you know, they, they couldn't have talked about it. I mean, that, that sounds, I don't know. Again, you have sat on boards. I haven't. I assume there's a reason that there's any other business at the end of these meetings. Yeah, Somebody could have said, listen, there's this massive, massive campaign ongoing with the organisation. Why have we not talked about it here? Yeah, I think it's failure. It's not bringing forward. Failure is actually one of its biggest uh, issues. But boards are, 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 are difficult, delicate, and many people are on there for good causes, for representing niche parts of the community, especially the media community and, and arts and culture. And ultimately, they're not experienced the boards. I have a little bit of sympathy because it is the executive who ultimately, in 90% of any issues that arise, it is an executive that actually screws up. And it is the board that ultimately is responsible. And it is a very delicate challenge. If you're being paid 80 grand and you're sitting on a board of 300 million, you've got, you know, a bit, you've got the same legal responsibilities, but you've got a greater motivation. Mm. You're paying someone 15 grand and allowing those on 200 grand run the show, that's a recipe for disaster. So I have a little bit of sympathy for the board, only a little, but ultimately once this thing was hemorrhaging money and wasn't being successful, and, and Laura says, you have a venue of 1,900, your average paid sales per night, paid sales for the 27 shows is 407 euros. You gave away half the tickets for free. You start giving away half the tickets for free. People have to have a culture that can put their hand up and say, we've made a mistake. We yeah. screwed up. Can we revisit this and let's have a conversation? Um, Laura, in terms of uh, getting answers to, to, to some or all of these questions, um, many members of, of, of the board, members of the former management team, they have answered questions before Narata's committee. It's worth pointing out, and I know it's for health reasons, but we still haven't heard uh, from Dee Forbes, the person who was running the organisation through all of this. Absolutely. So five current board members were in place at the time and there's a commentary today about how there was a lack of minutes, but one of those, uh, one of the things was noted was that Dee Forbes was congratulated on the musical. So you would imagine that she might have had some say in it if she's being congratulated. So there's like an issue there as well. Like what was what was going on? Somebody has a great suggestion on the text line oh. that RT could recoup all of this money by making a TV series about the debacle. They say it could be like the post office on ITV. It could really it could really be a hit, a yeah, runaway uh, hit. And in the commercial world, <laughs> Netflix might pay a bit more for us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, listen, it, there'll be plenty more conversation about that over uh, the evening and uh, into tomorrow, I would suggest as well, because that Grant Thornton report hasn't officially been published. I mean, it is the details good, of good, it have it's great, made their way great. into the public into domain. domain. The day early. <laughs> a day early. Um, but uh, politicians will react once they get official sight of it. They all know what's in it at this stage. Uh, in the meantime, um, the National Transport Authority, they have news as well this afternoon, Laura, about fares. Some fare increases kind of snuck in there, but mostly the headlines focusing on the fact that uh, that 90-minute reduction, or what is it, the 90-minute TFI kind of city fare in Dublin is going to be maintained. Yeah, absolutely. So it's described as, as winners and losers of this today. So it's the NTA releasing changes to their, their fare caps and their Dublin commuter zone. So for example, there's a lot more towns coming into that commuter zone. I live in Salins and it stops there. So the next stop on Newbridge, the price is so much higher that people actually drive from Newbridge to Salins to get on the train there into Houston. And The like, same train that has stopped in, in Newbridge. Newbridge. Yes. <laughs> and apparently I don't park in the Salins car park because I can walk, but apparently you can't get a spot there because of people driving. So anyway, those people in Newbridge now benefit from this. But you mentioned an increase. Just moves it further down. What's the next stop after Newbridge? <laughs> Port Leash. People yeah. in Port Leash driving up to Newbridge to get the cheap tickets. But there are some losers, as we mentioned, in these fare changes. So the reductions are decent enough. If you come from Drogheda to Connolly, you were paying €11.95 Euro and that's now €6. Euro. Same Newbridge we mentioned. They're paying €10.85 Euro and it's now 6 But there are some increases you mentioned sneaking in that people are having if they get the bus to Dublin. 
it was €9.45 and now it's €11.40. They won't be happy with that in Cavan. 21%. And Cacock to Dublin, €3.80 to €3.70. So winners and losers, but they, they had to balance. So there were some anomalies. So the fares weren't correct if you compared them elsewhere. That's why they had to apparently make those changes to the likes of Drogheda and Cavan to, to sort of balance out the distance. So people on the, the Newbridge line are now sort of equal to those others. Uh, David, on, on a serious note, um, people in Cavan still have their first Holy Communion money. <clears throat> They'd be grand. Yeah. They can afford this. That, that's why they got the, the, rate, <laughs> the rise uh, in their, their, their cost affairs. I, I think this is a great, I think, I think we undervalue and underestimate this transport scheme and, and it's one of the int- critical infrastructural components of society but also a couple of par- points that, that Laura made a couple of parts we keep forgetting about there's a there's a, an issue here of money like this is basically cost money to, to travel there's also the green and the green environment environmental policy of the Green Party which I never understand how come this hasn't been boosted completely the two euro fare for the 90 um, minute journey time now you know that's fine if you're not on a bus that's stuck in a bus lane but I think the two euro fare has been hugely successful so a number of these initiatives have been massively successful I think all of us need more of these um, systems in place, more affordable. And I'd love to know what the real impact is of tweaking those fares. Like some of them are marginally done, as you say, 40 and 60 cent, Laura, and there's other ones that have gone up and gone down a little bit. Yeah. The value for people to commute, to avoid the heavy traffic commute, to come in. Yes, we do need an, inf- an upgrade in relation to the systems that are there and, and the comforts that's there. But this is a good... I think it's a good infrastructure mm. uh, development and it's small money and we should be looking at uh, subsidising a lot more and, and encouraging people to to use it. I know, Laura, when the Germans brought in that nine euro fare kind of for, for long commuter trains last year, uh, the kind of the, the advocates for it point to the amount of people who started to use it. Detractors suggested that the extra people using it were kind of people going on additional trips. It didn't really have have that much of an impact. It was just people who wouldn't have gotten anywhere said, well, it's so cheap to get the train. Let's kind of spin down the road to Port Leash or whatever it happened to be. Um, at the same time, I mean, this seems like a kind of a tacit admission that reducing fares does impact passenger numbers. I mean, why else do it? Yeah, of course. And you could argue like my my mom has a free travel pass and she often just goes somewhere just for a day trip. And like, fair fair enough. Like she can just get the train. But uh, the the reduction in fares, like that was a game changer for me personally when Salons got put in the short uh, commuter zone and more people were then saying, well, it's cost me less to get the train. So I will leave my car at home. So surely that is the benefit mm. and that's what they want. Like, <laughs> you could argue that a few extra people might get on the train and they weren't going to go somewhere that day. But overall, I think it is beneficial. And good luck to them when they get up at seven in the morning and pop into town. It'll be a bit of a spin to go shopping. No, nothing opens at seven, so they're at a loss. But I think, I think you're right. Like, this, the, all, of the, all of the commuter towns, all, it just should be extended. Like, we're talking about traffic. Like, traffic is just incredible. I, I drive and I don't I make apologies for driving. It suits to drive. But driving is, is, is so, like, the last number of days have been incredible. Like, we're at full employment. The infrastructure, the roads aren't designed for one little crash and all hell breaks loose. Sorry, whatever about a crash, David. The roads in Ireland, somehow the system is not designed for a bit of rain. Of all countries. Yeah. Well, the, the, it, it took me about 15, 20 minutes longer to get out of Dublin last night because it was raining when yeah, I left yeah, yeah. work. It's, it is remarkable. And, and, and we build brand What's new... remarkable is I, I'm, I, I'm constantly surprised by it. Yeah. I shouldn't be at this stage. <laughs> and we build brand new roads and we don't have enough brains and we take the water off them. So, but, but I think that because of those things, because of the traffic, because of the congestion, extend it out beyond Salons. Who cares? If you're coming into any of the cities, be it Galway, Cork, to work for the day, 
put the put the price down. Let people encourage people, take people off the roads, and 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 encourage that and make it more affordable. Um, there's two stories kind of imbibing related that I want to talk about. Uh, a cup of tea. This is an absolute abomination. This story. So we'll come to it last. Uh, instead, um, Laura, the North Dublin Regional Drugs and Alcohol Task Force, uh, which is a mouthful, they, they have a research study published today um, on drinking trends amongst younger people, and there's a lot in it. There's a lot to digest. One of the things that stood out for me, and I don't know about uh, you, was that. Teenage girls far, far more likely to be drinking than teenage boys. Yeah, it's a really interesting study. Um, like, I think we might have anecdotally known a lot, a lot of the stuff that's um, emerging from this. But you're on the on the issue of girls versus boys. One of the uh, author of the reports, Joanna Ivers, we spoke to her earlier, and she said it may, that may come down to a case of the girls being more forward about ticking that on the survey, rather than the boys might be more reluctant. That was one of their thoughts on it. But there's lots of interesting. Finds Findings. The lads aren't shrewd enough to understand what an anonymous survey means. Another example. You give us great credit there. Thanks very much, Laura, for that. Thanks very much for that credit. Yeah. Report author. Um, <laughs> but other interesting findings, like a lot of people were saying they get their alcohol, the, under, the people aged 14 to 16 who are drinking alcohol get it from parents, friends or other adults. And the main places they drink are outdoors. I think we all knew this. Fields, parks, the street. Yeah. and built uh, houses. Uh, Ruins. Un- you name it. Feels. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, just 2% of them get their alcohol from the Dial-A-Drink service. But I've heard that's very expensive. So that's probably the reason why they're not. I didn't know. So the Dial-A-Drink, I thought that was just, David, off-licenses doing deliveries. Apparently it's not. It's just a version of like the elder lad outside the off-license who says, <laughs> I'm going to buy a nagging for you. There's one, one, I, I, one part of me has an element of respect for them in the sense that, you know, if somebody's willing to pay over the odds for utter laziness, that they decide <laughs> at 11 o'clock at night I'd like a drink and I'm too lazy or haven't gotten it or I've already had a drink someone will come and deliver a drink to the door uh, it is a mobile off licence um, mm. but I, I think on a serious note I think this is the most important story of the day um, I have two 14 year old girls so I read with with, with extreme interest this the story and it's a critical component where myself and my wife would be engaging with the girls on a regular basis you know and, and, and trying to have that relationship that's there And when did you start doing that? Oh, having proper conversations uh, with them about the, drink. The last number of years, like they're in second class, second year now, and the last number of years okay. you know, we have in the conversation, but particularly since first year. And I think you know the, the the part of the report that's a bit worrying is where people are getting drink from parents. I don't know if they're getting drink consensually from parents or whether they're taking the parent stash. Um, and 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 you know from an adult perspective, but I think drink is one of the biggest single curses in in Irish society. Its introduction to teenagers and kids is critical. Um, the early introduction and facilitation, you know, where it mentions the pubs and shops where you know facilitating the sale should automatically be closed and prosecuted. So I think I have a very strong view in relation to it because I can see from a societal perspective and other wearing other hats with with other various organisations involved in the past, alcohol is a centre and core spine amongst a number of our social ills and mm-hmm. therefore all such in, in engagement and research. And this is a massive reach. This is 2,677 teenagers. Normally when we see our uh, all the various panels that we get, get all excited on, on a Sunday about the political panels are only 1,000 sample size. Yeah, this is 2,677. Yeah. This is a massive, massive sample size. Uh, but very, very worrying information in relation to it. And I think, you know, educationally, the department and stuff need really get their act together to ensure, and that's a phenomenal task force, to do something about it and protect younger people. Let them get to 18 or 
seniors as close as they can. I know we joke with the pledge and stuff like there was a lot of significance in relation to the basics of the dangers of alcohol yeah. and, and protecting teenagers from that. Well, uh, by way of uh, reflecting its importance, as you said, the most important story of the day, we're going to be talking about it in great detail after five o'clock um, on the show. But before we wrap things up here, I mentioned there was two stories uh, to do with uh, imbibing things. So, Laura, um, people might have seen uh, already this morning, they were talking about it on News Talk Breakfast, Shane and Kira. this story from the States. Uh, for people who didn't, I mean, there's been a development this afternoon, a diplomatic development, but catch us up on the basics of the story first. An American scientist has come out with the best way to make tea. Now, okay. I don't think we can trust this because Americans microwave their tea anyway. That's They put the tea bag into water and put Pack it... Pack any microwaves is coffee, you know. Well, I wouldn't say a bad word about Pat. My father migrates tea, so I can't. But that's comment. to reheat it, possibly. They yes. start the process oh, in yeah. the microwave. So anyway, this American scientist has said the, the best way to make a cup of tea is to add a pinch of salt to reduce bitterness. Use warm milk. Use a short mug. Use tea leaves over tea bags. Heat your cup. I do get that. Um, and don't steep for too long. A bit. I'm the not salt sure about is it. really. The cons- salt is an abomination. Let's just call it what it is. There's Absolutely. No There's no other word for it. Yeah. Now, there's been a diplomatic development. Yes. The US. This is great. The US Embassy in London has got involved. They say today's media reports about the recipe for a perfect cup of tea has landed our special bond in hot water. And they go on to say they they can't they want to ensure the good people of the UK that the unthinkable notion of adding salt is not an official US policy and never will be. And they end this uh, a statement by saying the US Embassy will continue to make tea in the proper way by microwaving it. Oh. I've an issue with that. <laughs> yeah, you'd imagine there's little going on in the world that America's involved in. Uh, Is there nothing else on a diplomatic sacred. front that the, uh, the, the American the Embassy the administration must be involved yeah. in uh, rather than how to make a perfect cup of tea? How do you make the perfect cup of tea, David? Perfect cup of tea is hot water, tea bag. Do you scald the cup? No. You don't. Cold no. cup. Laura? Not a massive tea drinker, but if I was, it would be a hot cup. Uh, don't stew the tea bag too long. Just squeeze it. Do you squeeze it, though, against yeah, the side of li- the cup? a little squeeze, but you can always a tender take. squeeze. <laughs> Not enough to burst A it. gentle caress against the side of the cup. <laughs> and a tiny drop of milk, like almost no milk. 087-1400-106. I suspect, given everything we've talked about, that's the, that is the subject people will have the strongest opinions about, how to make the perfect cup of tea. Anyway, if you have a view, if maybe if you... I'd love to know if you've tried salt in your tea, actually. Maybe you've got time. Try it now, yeah. during the next ad break, and let me know what it is like. Laura Donnelly, uh, editor here in our newsroom. David Hall, former chair of Inner City Helping Homeless. Thank you both very much. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.